coming ahead of us with lots of miracles and lots of goodness and lots of light and lots of bracha. So I usually don't give a shir on Matzah Shabbos, but this was bubbling in my head last week. And I uh, wanted to do the shir on Friday, but it didn't come out. So uh, I didn't want to let it pass. To share some exciting thoughts, some hopefully invigorating thoughts. So we are now, and this is conne in connection to the... Um, to the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, which even though it's not the Jewish calendar, and does it have Jewish significance? No, it's not Jewish significance. It's, it's um, a worldly significance, but not particularly in, on, in, in the realms of Judaism of Torah. So it might seem like, but being that we know that everything in the world is really godly, and uh, especially once Mashiach comes, and as we are now holding at the, at the uh, entranceway into the Giyula, when the entire world becomes a home for God, so everything in this world, there isn't a phenomenon, there isn't an entity, there isn't a aspect in this world, just like every language becomes holy, and all the peoples of the world become holy, become attached to God, as it says in the Torah two weeks ago, the nations will attach themselves to God, as we're beginning to see a transformation of nations. And every physical object in this world will become part of Eretz Yisrael, as Eretz Yisrael will, the land of Israel, will extend all over the entire world, which means the holiness of Israel will expand across the world. Of course, Eretz Yisrael itself will become holier, but um, so... Um, in that sense, time and space and time and even um, the, the all what might look as secular elements of existence won't be secular or mundane. Everything becomes incorporated in holiness. Um, to find a, a smach, a support to what I am planning to do in this class, and that is give some deep, Kabbalistic insights into this astounding year of 2020 that uh, most people are feeling very bad about and uh, are very excited to run away and be so happy that we're done with this what seems to be a cursed year. Um, I'd like to re-evaluate re the year and um, see, find its, hopefully expose its inner light. As we know that people say, hindsight is 2020. That means 2020 is, is that type of a year that um, you don't get to know it or appreciate it or understand it until the year is over. Then we can look back and see. And then we see that it's not a dark year, as we will see, but quite on the contrary, a super, super bright year, although it still brings forth a deep sigh from all of us. But we, we, we can channel as we turn our understanding of 2020 and flip it over into a positive understanding that itself can expose the inner goodness of it, and then we can 
approach 2021 with a much better and far more open and uh, positive attitude. But the very notion of taking a secular number, a number of a year unrelated to, to uh, Judaism and Torah, and, and speaking of it in terms of some kind of a giving in it, you know, gematria and, and, and uh, so connecting it to, to, to some, something holy, I'd like to bring a support to that. Even though, you know, this is my own um, understanding and I'm not uh, claiming to be anywhere close to the stature of the tzaddikim that I'm going to bring as a support. But yet, we find the concept to read into and to explain even something on um, the non-Jewish calendar and, and explain its significance Kabbalistically. So, for instance, there is a teaching over here in Sefer Oyev Yisrael. This is a Sefer from one of the great Hasidic masters, um, the Rebbe called Oyev Yisrael of Apta. He's actually buried not far from the Baal Shem Tov. Um, he was a rabbi in the city of Mezhebush for a long time. Uh, he was a colleague of Rabbi Zalman of Liadi, a, a little younger, but still part of that group, a great student of Rabbi Lamelech of Lazensk, a super great tzaddik, Rabbi Avram he Yeshua Heschel of Apta. So in his sefer, called Oyev Yisrael, he has um, some a passage on Rosh Chodesh Iyar, on the months of Iyar. So he's talking about why we read Pirkei Avos during this time uh, between Pesach and Shavuos. And he says that there are five chapters in the chap in ethics of fathers that we read during the period between Pesach and Shavuos because these five relate to the five gates of Bina. Now, even though we were used to 50 gates, he says there's really five gates of Bina. Each one has 10. So that's the 50 gates of Bina. Hem chamishim shari Bina, the 50 gates of Bina. Oilam ha they are the world of tshuva. And that's what ethics of fathers are supposed to evoke in us, um, an element of tshuva. And here he's, he, he hear these words. V'yamim ha'eila, and these days, nikraim eitzel umaysa oilam, they are referred to by the nations of the world, referring to a section of the calendar. But he uses, listen to this, it is called Mai, <laughs> The month of May. May is not a, a, a related to, the, to one of the names that we refer to as Jewish months. It's a non-Jewish month. But it does usually come out, it's corresponding with the month of Iyar. You know, Pesach, it's not, it's not always exact, but Pesach is usually in April or late April, and then the, 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 the time between Pesach and Shavuot, and Shavuos, on the seven week count, somewhere over there you have the month of, of Iyar, which is the, always the month of Iyar, but in the, on the other calendar, it's the month of May. So he says it's called May, and May is spelled May, Mem Yud. Mem Yud. And Mem Yud is what? 50 gates, Mem is 40, Yud is 10. That corresponds to the 50 Chamishim Shari Bina. And they also admit, meaning it's in the 
on, uh, from the from the realms of uh, of of, of um, outside Jewish thought um, in the medical field, people agree that these are good days, days for improving your health. And they're good for healing. And may and may who is the number of fifty. To do a gematria, it's amazing. To do a, 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 a gematria and, 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 and connect it to some Kabbalistic concept of 50, 50 gates of Bina and showing it how, how it is in the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on one of the months. Imagine like doing a gematria on January or February. That's what he does with the month of May. So that's just a little intro, intro, introduction to what I'm going to hopefully try to share with Hashem's help regarding the passing the past year of 2020. So as mentioned, the notion that most people have regarding 2020 is that it was a very dark time. I mean, the world was obviously hit by some major events and the fact that so many things happened within this time of negativity, and again, it impacted the entire world, has left a very bitter taste in most people's mouths regarding the year 2020. And hopefully we have good hopes that 2021, things will improve and the world will get better and the world will get normal again and good things are going to happen, which is good to have um, good hopes. But it's even better when we don't have to have a bad taste in our mouth. But quite on the contrary, we realize that 2020 was the most awesome year. And the reason for that is because 2020 corresponds in the Hebrew year, not exactly, but most of 2020 was connected to the year Tavshin Pei. And 2021 is related to the year Tavshin Pei Aleph. These two years together, Tavshin Pei 5780 and Tavshin Pei Aleph 5781, I think makes a certain, um, a certain peer. And the same is also 2020 and 2021 are a peer together. They work in hand. The very fact that they work in hand, the two years will complement each other, both in the Hebrew year and in the secular year. Now, the very notion that 20 and, which is on the secular calendar, 2020, or the Gregorian calendar, and the Jewish calendar of 5780, so we're focusing now mainly on the 80, 80 and 81. Um, and then 2020, obviously, you have the two times 20, but let's just take the second 20, 2020. So we have the, the 20 and we have the 80. Is there a connection between the two? Well, together, 20 and 80 give you 100. That's one thing. But is there a significance to this connection? And the answer is yes. Because in Hebrew, 20 is the letter chaf. Chaf symbolizes 20. The letter chaf is spelled, every letter is also a word. The letter chaf is spelled chaf pei. So you see clearly that the chaf and the pay have a connection. So 5780, 5720, 
the, it's, there is an energy, as we're soon going to see, of the letter Chaf. Which Chaf has Chaf and the Pei. The Pei is hidden in the Chaf. Now, why was it such a dark time? Why was 5780 such a dark time? And why was 2020 such a dark time? And why do we have such awesome, positive feelings and hopes regarding 2021 and 5781? For the same reason. So I mentioned a couple of times that um, the Chassam Seifer, one of the great halachic authorities, um, speaks of in Parshas Bechu Kosai, mentions the number Tavshin Pei, 57. 50, um, it's not 57, Tavshin Pei is actually just 780. And he associates that number, 780, Tavshin Pei, with extreme forces of darkness. 780 is a dark element, that's what he says. Associated with powers of klipa, powers of unholiness. When you read that and you look at 780 and you look at the year 5780, you shake your head and you say, uh-uh, right? Seems like he knew what he's talking about 250 years ago when he told us that Tavshin Pei, there's a lot to worry about. But then he continues and he says that Tavshin Pei Aleph spells the word, if you add to the tough and the shin and the pei, and you add an aleph, you get the word ashpos, which that itself is really bad, because ashpos means the dumpster. It means literally the garbage pail. So being in the dumps, that's what ashpos means. But if you look for that word in Torah, you find that that word is associated with something extremely wonderful. Because it says in Tehillim, in Hallel, the part of Tehillim that we say is Hallel, from the dumpster, from the garbage dump, the Eberster lifts up the destitute. So the Chassam Seifer says, when the year will come of Ashpos, which is this year, Tavshin Pei Aleph, I'm going to emphasize this again. He's not clearly saying openly, specifically, when the year comes, Tavshin Pei Aleph, that's when it happened. But that's what he's very, very much is, 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 um, seems to be indicating very strongly that us at that time, Meashpos, Yodem Evion, at that time we will be lifted up. And us, when we hit rock bottom, and the beginning of this year seems to be, at least in terms of the Hebrew calendar, the beginning of this year from, from Rosh Hashanah until this time, we went into 5781. Didn't look like things improved too much. Quite on the contrary, we got a second spike of corona. Again, the hospitals are filling up. Again, all we're hearing is about vaccinations and all this craziness. We've also had many other disappointments and other aspects of, of life and the political field and so on and so forth. So, in that sense, it feels like we're really, 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 really not in that good of a place. And that's the Ashpos. But the comforting thing, uh, idea that the Chassam Sefer is saying, that the Tavshin Pei Aleph 
is really, really good because this is where we're going to suddenly be lifted up to the highest of the heights. So we have very great expectations. But I think when the Chassam Seifer is saying on this year, and he connects it to Tavshin Pei being very dark, which we had mentioned earlier, very dark, it's not just telling us that before the light it's dark. And before the elevation, we have to be in a very, very low place. What he's really saying is that the greatness and the power of Tavshin Pei Aleph is actually just a cracking open of the real godliness and light and, and beauty of Tavshin Pei. Now, he doesn't say that openly. But I think that's the connection. That Tavshin Pei really, at its core, has in it the, the ultimate blessing, even though, as we experience it, we experience it as very dark. Tavshin Pei Aleph redeems Tavshin Pei. This is even further um, illustrated or emphasized in the writings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in a talk that he gave in 5751. And I gave a whole class about that two weeks ago about the amazing flip of 5751. So in that class, we discussed this at great length. The Rebbe seems to be saying the same idea as the Chassam Sofer when he's referring to this year. He says that this year is a very... See, again, I'm, I have to say this every time. It doesn't say explicitly he's talking about the year, but it's almost, it, it is almost explicit, let's put it this way. It's very, very, very strongly suggested that he's referring to the year 5781. He says that 81 represents wrath and anger, af, anger. And it's all, it, it, it's the, it represents everything dark and unholy about this world. But he says that since Pei Aleph is not in the, it's not, it's not in that order of Af, Aleph, Pei, but the reverse order, Pei before the Aleph. So that indicates that what is Pei Aleph, 81? It's the flipping over of the wrath and the anger. There is a wrath, there is an anger. And it's the flipping over of it, turning it around, that from the af will become plois arena, wonders we will see. So in his teaching, you see more that we're not just talking about a good time that comes after a bad time, but rather breaking open the darkness to see the diamonds within, to see the light that's in the darkness itself, to uncover the real pnimius of the af. And I think it's very, very connected to 2020 and the year 2021. And the reason for that is as follows. We know that there's two types of darkness. There is darkness that is associated with the absence of light, the absence of godliness, which is the absence of blessing. Where there is a, God forbid, a departure from Hashem, like happened after the sin of the tree of knowledge, or after the golden calf, or all these times when God was upset at the world for whatever reason, so Hashem retracts. As a result of that retraction, there's a retraction of blessing. 
Because where God is, is the ultimate blessing. Where God is, there is life. Where God is, there is light. Where God is, there, there is only, 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 only all the good. So the retraction of Hashem, which is the absence of light, that's darkness. And there is such a kind of a darkness that comes from immense tzimtzum, contraction and contraction and contraction, till there's hardly any divinity left. And that's a very, 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 very not good situation. But then there's a different type of darkness. The Kabbalists tell us that when there is too much light, there is also darkness. That darkness is not because of the minimization of light, that's because it's too much light. Intense brightness causes the eyes, causes a blindness. If you're sitting in a very dark room and you go in from the darkness suddenly into the light, you're blinded by the light. And for maybe even for a few seconds or for a half a minute, you don't even, can't even see normally. There is this, this darkness because of the intensity of the light. So, and that's why in Hasidus we have like this. The order is as follows. The lower worlds, and the, especially the physical world, is called a very dark world. As you start going higher and higher, they're called brighter worlds, brighter and brighter. But when you get very high, it gets dark again. Because the lights that are emanating in those very, very high worlds are just too bright. For example, this world is called a world of choshech, of darkness, the material world. Olam Asiyah is called the world of darkness. Olam HaYetzirah, the world of formation, is called light. Yotzer Or, Yotzer, Yetzira, formation, light. But higher than that is the world of, called the world of Bria, Borei Choshech, he creates darkness. Why is the world of Bria called darkness? The world of Bria is so much godlier, so much holier, so much more connected to Hashem, but because it's too bright for us to have any inkling and any understanding of it. The same is also in the world higher than that, in the world of Atzilus, which of course would be considered darkness. But when we're looking at that world itself, there is lights and lights and lights, and all the spherot are all lit up with godly revelation. That's what the spherot are. Sphira comes from the word illumination. Sapir, to shine. Sphira means to shine, to illuminate. And that illumination is higher and higher and higher until we get to Keter, to the crown. And the crown is called darkness. And what's the crown? The crown is the infinite light of God, unfiltered, undiminished, unconstricted. The Or Ein Sof itself is darkness. Yoshes Choshech Sisroi. Hashem shrouds Himself, conceals Himself in darkness. And that is this transcendental... Because when Hashem, in order for Him to emanate light, there has to be somewhat of a modification, some kind of a diminishment. When Hashem modifies and diminishes and constricts, then He emanates lights. But if you're experiencing the divine as is, way too powerful, too dark. So Kesser is associated with darkness. So, we also find that when a new day is coming, when a new light comes, and we know Mashiach is called a new day. The day is coming. So when as a day unfolds, the way a Jewish, the way we, we, we experience every single day in Judaism, 
It's Vayi Ere Vayi Boiker. It was evening and it was morning. So first there's night and then there's morning and then there is light. And there's two interpretations regarding Mashiach of how that works. One is that the entire exile is, is, is really already the new day, the new dawn, as we discussed so many times. The destruction of the temple is already the, it's not a destruction, it's the new day rolling in, but the new day comes first with a wave of darkness, and then following the wave of darkness is the crack of dawn, and then sunrise, and then the light. So in that sense, we're not holding anymore by the darkness, we're already at the light. And that's for sure true. But then there is another idea. As the actual daybreak is taking place, and as the light is actually coming in of the Geula itself, it materializes, it, it, it descends, it emerges out into, into, into our experience, first as darkness and then as light. We know the coming of Mashiach, the Geula, is associated with the idea that that's, when is that going to happen? When does Mashiach come? When we, the Jewish people, have completed our task of downloading God into the world. When Hashem created the world, God created the world just from a tiny little breath. One little letter created all of existence. One little hey. Hashem Himself infinitely transcends His creation that He created. And what are we the Jewish people here for? God put us into the world that we should invite Him in. And God gave us specific instructions of how to download Hashem Himself, His entire being, into creation, into the world. That's the meaning of Nesava HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that God had a desire, Lias Laidira, if Hashem to have a home, Betachtonim in the world. A home means... A home is not a place where you project something of yourself. A home is a place where you yourself dwell there. You with your entire entirety. You with your entire being. God wants to have a home in this world where He can be fully comfortable and He can be fully revealed down here below. And that's what we've been doing. And when we complete the task of having made this world hospitable to God and that Hashem Himself comes down into the world to dwell in this world, that's the completion and that's Moshiach. What does that mean? Let's give it a little bit more Kabbalistic term. The idea of bringing God into the world is bringing down Hashem's keser, bringing bringing God down to the world from the level of keter, from the level of crown. Why? As we said earlier, because crown represents godliness unfiltered, Hashem unlimited, Hashem undefined, God in his, without any tzimtzumim, without any contractions. And that's why we know that a keser, a crown, sits above the head. A crown sits above the head. It represents that which is above and beyond. Which head? Our head? Of course our head. Head of celestial beings, of them as well. Even of the highest elements, even of the highest levels, even of the Sphirot itself, which is a divine being, which is Hashem's head. Can you imagine God's head? The intellect of Hashem, the intellect of Chachma bin Adas, as it stands in the world of Atsilus. Inf- infinite wisdom, 
yet it can't comprehend God's very being itself that infinitely transcends even infinite wisdom. And that's why the crown sits above Hashem's head. When we say Hashem, we mean Hashem as He lowers Himself down to be structured as the supernal human conducting the affairs of the world. That's the idea of sefirot, of attributes. Kesser is God Himself before He takes on any definitions and personality traits. And that's the or in self, the infinity of Hashem. And that's why it's above the head, Kesser of the crown. When Moshiach comes, we're going to have downloaded the Kesser of God into this world. How do we download God Himself into this world? For that gave, God gave us His mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs are there? There are 613 commandments. And then there are another seven, that's biblical commandments, and there are seven rabbinic commandments. 613 plus 7, 620. 620 is the numeric value of the word keter, keser crown. Tough and resh, tough is 400, resh is 200. So that's 600 plus chaf, which is 20. So 620. Through our observance, throughout all of history, the collective observance of all of Israel, throughout all the years from when the Torah was given until the last Jew doing the last mitzvah, the second before Mashiach comes, all of that is what does the work to download in its full entirety keser, which means God's very self into every part and every element of creation. And when once that's done, boom, we have Mashiach. We have Hashem completely revealed down here below. And that's the drawing down of the Kesser. Now, the letters of the Aleph Beis, every letter is symbolic and represents different, different, um, different powers. What Aleph stands for, what the Beis stands for, what Gimel stands for. So the letter Yud, for instance, is symbolic for the attribute of Chachma. Chachma is a Yud, a flash. And then there are letters that represent, we said earlier, Nun, let's say the 50, the Nun, is symbolic of Bina, because there are 50 gates of Bina. And sometimes you find in Kabbalistic writings different letters, which every letter has many different elements that this letter because the letter itself has many nuances, symbolizing different elements above, various different elements. What is the letter Chaf? So the primary symbol of what the letter Chaf stands for, Chaf, which is 20, the numeric value of 20, is Keser. The word Keser, crown, starts with a Chaf. If you spell Keser, as we said before, Chaf, Tav, Reish. So Chaf is the first letter in Keser. Also, when the king wears the crown, everybody gives him great honor. The king is the ultimate one in which all honor is directed to the king. And that's why the words for honor in Hebrew is Kavod. And Kavod also starts with a, with a Chaf. 
So Kesser starts with a Chaf, and Kavit starts with a Chaf, because the word, the letter Chaf, is indicative of Kesser, or symbolizes Kesser. Also, the, the, the Chaf is 20, and the, 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 um, the Hebrew word for 20 is the word Esrim. Esrim is the, if we, if, is the number 20 is called Esrim. You can use a symbol, you can use a Chaf, but if you're not using the symbol, instead you're writing out the word, it's Esrim. Esrim is the numeric value 20. I'm sorry, 602. Esrim means 20, but if you actually count the letters, Ayin and Shin is 370, Resh is another 200, is 570, Yud and Mem is 50, so 570 plus 50 is 620. So Esrim is Gematria, the same numeric value, Keser, 620. So all of this is pointing to that Chof, that Chof is, the, is symbolic for Keser for crown. The reason why, and why is it 20? Because since Keser the crown is the source from where the 10 spherot, from where the 10 attributes emanate from, those, two, those 10 attributes exist on two levels. On Or Yashar, direct light, and Or Chayzer, retracting light, on two ways, from up, down, and down, up. That's why it's 2 times 10, which is 20. That's one of the explanations. There's various different explanations. But the Chaf is symbolic for Keser. But we know that there are two chafs. If you look in, a, in, in the Aleph Bays, you will see that the chaf comes in two forms. There's a, there is a chaf called chaf kefufa, a, 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 a bend chaf, where the leg of the chaf is pulled up. It goes like this. And then there is a chaf pshuta, which is a long chaf, which is a chaf which you put only in the end of a word. Then you put that chaf. Two, two forms of the letter Chaf. Why are there two Chafs? Because, again, there's different explanations, but one of the explanations is given in Chassidut. One of the explanations is given is because in Kesar itself, there's two levels in Kesar itself. There is the external element of Kesar, which Kesar is more like a, a source already for the worlds and the creations. That level is called mystically Erech Anpin, the long face of God. The reason why it's called long is because it's I indicating that things are still infinite over here. Dealing still a level that's pure and simple and therefore has no design, therefore it's infinite. But since we're already considering the prospect that this can become a source for projection of ten spherot or whatever it is, that's why it's called Erech Anpin. It's already a source for a face. But it's erech, it's long, because it's still beyond definition, but that's the external part of Kesser. And then there is the internal element of Kesser, called the Ancient of Days, Atik Yomen, which is really connecting to, as we spoke earlier, God's very essence. And that's the two double chaf in Kesser. And when through Torah and mitzvahs, we draw down not only 
the lower Chaf, we draw down both Chafs, the external element of Keser and the Pnimius of Keser, the Orient, literally the Orient Sof, the Ancient of Days, too is drawn down into the world. How do we do that? Through Torah and mitzvahs, we are drawing and connecting to those, these two dimensions of the two chafs, the lower chaf and the upper chaf, and we're connecting and drawing that, all that down. Who's the person who began this process of drawing God down into the world? The first Jew. So when Hashem comes to the first Jew and gives him the first commandment, and he tells him to begin the process of making the world holy and godly, where does the Jewish experience begin? Hashem says to Avram, Lech lecha, Lech lecha. So the Midrash says that there are five letters in the Aleph base that are double letters. The five letters of the olive base that are double letters are, which means you have two forms of the letter. Most of the other letters of the olive base of the Hebrew alphabet only have one form. But there are five of them that are double. They're called menatzpach. Mem, there's two forms of a mem, an open mem and a closed mem. Nun, two forms of a nun. A nun with the, where its leg is up and the nun where it goes all the way down. And then there is... Two forms of not two forms of tzaddik, right? And then there's two forms of pay, and there's two types of a chaf. These five letters, and the medrash says each one of these five letters is a power for redemption. And there are five redemptions, and the five redemptions are connected to the energy of the those letters that are double. The first redemption is the redemption of our father Avram Avinu. And the Medrash says he was redeemed with the letter Chaf, with the double Chaf. Where do we find that? Because Hashem says to Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha, go away. And that was, Hashem was redeeming Avram, which you wonder, well, what kind of redemption is God giving to Avram by telling him Lech Lecha? Avram wasn't in trouble then. Nimrod already you know, left them alone. Avram was building a nice following of there in Mesopotamia. What was lacking in Avram's life? Didn't have any children. That's a problem. But other than that, he was doing pretty well. So what's this redemption that Avram had? And the answer is that God was redeeming Avram Avinu from the inherent limitation of a created being. A created being is inherently limited. And God was giving access to Avram Avinu to the infinite. He was freeing him. Like it says later in the parsha in Lech Lecha, Hashem lifted Avram Avinu outside of the constellations. Hashem lifted him above the stars. And he says, above it all. So when Hashem is picking Avram Avinu up, and the ultimate lift, as long as you, he's still connected to some form of a tzimtzum, to some form of a, of a boundary, it's not really called liberation. True liberation means to be out of all constraints, all limitations, and all boundaries, let it be the highest boundary. So the ten sefirot that are all part of that human structure, they're all limited because they only emerge after some kind of a constriction. But the infinite light of Keser, especially the inner part of Keser, pure orange self, pure innermost of Hashem Himself, 
That's where there is no limitation, no boundaries. God gave Aram Avinu access to his very self. And that began with Avram Avinu, but it reached its full power by the giving of the Torah, where God empowers the Jewish people to draw down the Keser. But that's the meaning that God liberated Avram with which letter? With the letter Chaf. Not one Chaf, two Chafs. Lech Lecha. So now where did 2020 begin already? The concept of 2020. It began with the first commandment to the first Jew, Lech Lecha, there you have the two Chafs, the 20 and the 20. But Keser, because it is so infinite, it is so high, it is so inconceivable and, and we can't understand it. There's, you can't wrap your mind around that it's infinite, it's beyond. For that reason, Keser is called darkness. Yoshes, Choyshech, Sisroi, the Abishter, surrounds himself in darkness. Again, this is a darkness beyond light, higher than light. So we have no understanding in Keser. It's completely, that's, that's its, but it's not darkness because of the absence. It's darkness because it's too intense. So what happens? For thousands of years, we're working on downloading Keser into the world. And finally, we come to the year 2020. Two times Chaf. And again, I, I, I'm not a tzaddik to tell you uh, that this is the way it is because it's the way it is, but this is what it appears to me as it seems to be fitting perfectly with the idea, the same concept on the Hebrew year. Because the Hebrew year was 5780, which 8 is the same, similar to the same transcendental concept. 7 represents nature, finite, the boundaries, the system of nature is 7. 8 is infinite. And the sign for infinity is an 8, sideways. And 8 is generally associated with the sphera of Bina. Bina is the eighth attribute from the bottom. And in Bina is the Hisgalos, the revelation of Keser. And that's why in the letter Kaf, it's a Chaf and a Pei, as I said earlier. Because Pei, 80, is associated with Bina. In the Kaf, which is Keser, you have a Pei, Chaf. And it's the way you say the word Chaf, Chaf, Pei. And what did we say before the Lubavitcher Rebbe characterized the year 57, 780? He didn't talk about 780. He's talking about 781. But in 5781, he says, It will be the year when the wonders we will see. So if this year is the year of Plois Erenu, so the Aleph is Arenu. You will see what? But the Pei is Plois, wonders. The Plois we had already last year. Tiesh Nas Ploi. We don't have the Aleph yet. So no wonder that the year Tafshin Pei was the year that got the whole world scratching its head. The whole world puzzled. What on heaven's 
earth, oh, how did you say that? <laughs> is going on. What's happening? Stunned. All we have is stunning events one after another. Because it's Pella, because it's darkness. It's not that God abandoned the world. Look like God looks like God is getting too much involved, which means there's in, not too much in a, an increased presence of a download of godliness in the world that's just too intense. And as I mentioned other other times, that's why everybody's feeling so intense. There is this incredible energy that's that's being downloaded in Tafshin Pei in the year of Pella and the year of wonders. But the point is not that it should remain too intense for us to be able to experience, for us to be able to live with. Hashem wants to live with us and we should be comfortable in that relationship. We should be able to live with Him in an enjoyable fashion, in a healthy way. So, you know, when you download a new program or a new app, so there is the time that it's downloading, and with downloading, your phone is, you know, it's not really, I mean, depending how strong that app is, how intense that app is, how big of a file it is, sometimes it slows the entire phone down, sometimes it makes the phone or the computer or the laptop completely unoperable during the time that it's downloading. So instead of it being a good thing, it's a very bad thing. I can't even do the basic stuff because now this new, uh, especially if you're downloading an entire new operation system, so it's, it, it, it basically, and sometimes the computer says it's going to shut down while it's... So you're experiencing this, 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 this uh, disruption of what your computer was able to do till now. But you know what's really happening is it's getting a super upgrade. And then once the download is done and it recalibrates, and you'll watch that the circle turning and turning and turning, and then finally, bang, wow. So now it's not like, okay, now my, my fault was broken. And now it's not broken anymore, it's fixed. It's not that. You're now beginning to enjoy what was downloading during the time that the computer was not working well because of the download. So in 5780, something ex extraordinary was being downloaded into the world. The Pele, the Pele of, of Kesser, the, the, the Ein Sof, was descending and revealing itself into creation. We... we we didn't understand it. And it comes in a form of, 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 of inexplainable events, things that are, seem to be very dark, very intense. As we'll soon see regarding all the individual things that happen, all pointing to the same idea of this download of Kesser energy into the world. But what's the Chiddush as we discussed already in earlier classes? What's the novelty? of the year 5781. Why does 5781 become already a good year? And that's because Pele means wonder. Wonder means that you don't understand it because it's on a level of Kesser. Kesser is beyond your head. But when you take the very same word Pele and you rearrange the letters of the Pele, you get the word Aleph. Aleph, Pele, Pei, Lamed, Aleph. Let's rearrange it. Put the Aleph first. Aleph, Lamed, Pei. And then when you have the word Aleph, Aleph means Aleph means I will teach you. So till now you couldn't even study it. You didn't know anything about it. It's a mystery. It's, it's mind-boggling. It blows your head. You don't understand. 
But then Aleph, I will teach you what, I'll give you insight. We'll start figuring out what that Pela is. And now in, Kab in Kabbalah, Aleph is Chachma. Chachma is the first, the first element of internalization. The crown is above your head. But the point is not that it should remain above the head. The point is that we should be able to take the crown and assimilate it. Absorb the crown in our mind all the way into us. On the one hand, it will always remain some elements of it. Some, it will always remain a crown. It's, there's always more to learn and some, a mystery to it. But at the same time, we are absorbing. We are taking it in. We're learning it. We're understanding it. We're discovering it. And that's the Pele coming into an Aleph. But the Aleph element only happens the year later. Tafshin Pei Aleph, as the Rebbe says, the main thing of Pei Aleph is Arenu Nifla'ais. Not the wonders. The wonders itself we had already in 5780. Tafshin Pei was already the download of the wonder. But then it was completely unoperable. You couldn't open it up. You have this new download, but you can't open the file. Now we can open the file. This year, Tafshin Pei Aleph, because Arenu, I will show you. How does it become Arenu? It becomes because of an Aleph. Aleph is Chachma. Chachma is already that we can study, we can learn, we can understand it. So the same is also, as we go back to 2020, which the Chaf represents Keser, 2021 is already the ability to, as we said earlier, the same idea of introducing the Aleph, making this understandable, drawing it down. So it could be what began with Avram Avinu and Lech Lecha concluded in the year 2020 with the full download of godliness, now awaiting momentarily for Mashiach to explode in the world, for unbelievable godliness to reveal itself in the world, beginning with, however, with each and every one of us, beginning to live in this more Mashiach Diga consciousness in a higher level and recognizing that the darkness of 2020 might not be something we want to throw away, but on the contrary, we want to embrace it we want to study it, we want to open it, we want to understand what was downloaded. What was downloaded to us, as I discussed so many times, was corona, which corona means crown. It's just that the clipper of it, the shell of it, the darkness of it is the virus. The, 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 the dark things of, the, of, the, of, the, of it. That's the external, that's the amolek. That's the amolek of it. Amolek is also crown. Everything has a shell. There's a panemius. Again, when we say it's, 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 it's intense light because it's so intense, part of that intensity is we go back to the Chassam Soifer. He says, Tav Shin Pei is associated with the very, very dark elements, dark klipas. But hold it, we're talking about Pele. Well, that, that's the idea. Very intense godliness is, 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 it could, could descend with, as we say, because it's so high, it's not understandable, so this element of darkness could carry with it some really dark stuff. So today in Shul, when I spoke about this, we came out, you know, the corona, which corona means, um, corona means keser, which is a virus, which is a killer virus, and something that's very undesirable. And we need to strip away this klipa and do the real corona, which is the coronation of Mashiach, the coronation of God. And the faster we do that, the faster we'll be rid of the corona. But it came out interesting because I said, oh, you know, the president said, he calls it the China virus. 
Now China is also starts with a chaf, china in Hebrew. They call it sin, but it's also called China with a, with, is, is with a sin. And if it's the CC, what do they call the CCP, the China Communist, so you got the two chafs. That's whether yeah or whether no, but you see everything that there is in Kedusha also manifests in the other side. But really the panemius of, of what's going on, what happened, an enormous revelation of enormous godliness. Enormous godliness. The chaf and the chaf. We find that also these, the, 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 these chaf, someone pointed out to me, I was giving a class last week and someone sent a comment and mentioned these chafs. So um, when the Kohen Gadol is in the high priest on Yom Kippur, is in the Holy of Holies, he sprinkles the blood of the Holy of Holies. He's bringing atonement. So it says he sprinkles achas lamaylo, one upward. He throws the blood one upward. And then he throws the blood seven times down. And the explanation is, he's first connecting to transcendental energy, to the energy of number eight, because altogether he does eight sprinkles. So the energy of number eight, which is above and beyond. And then from there, he's bringing it down into all the seven elements, seven spherot, which need a tikkun, which need rectification, because they become impacted by our negative um, deeds. So we need to, in order to rectify the cosmos, he has to go to a level that's beyond the cosmos. So really, where is he going to? He's going up to Bina, that's why it's one up, which is on top of the seven. But as it's explained in many places, in other places, is that really he's really ascending to, is to the level of Keser, to the Orin, so the 13 attributes of mercy. Where over there, there is no blemishes, and over there it's only pure mercy and infinite love. And as he goes one up and goes down, what does the verse say? How do we say? We say it during davening. And this is how he counted. Achas, achas viachas. One, one and one, one and two. The word is vekach. And so, there you have the two chafs as well. 2020. There is where he counts. So what happened going back to the year 2020? The dominant of event that dominated this entire year of 2020 was Corona. And as mentioned, Corona is crown. I told you earlier that Chav is associated with crown because it's the first word, first letter of the word Keser. And in, and in Svarim it says, because it's also another indication that Chav is associated with crown is because it's the first letter in the word kavod, glory, and the real glory is associated with the glory of the crown of Keser. So, what's the other name of this virus besides Corona? COVID. COVID nineteen is associated with another Indian. We're not going to speak about that right now, but COVID. It's COVID. It's also Corona. So everything about it is written all over it that this is the hamshacha, this is the drawing down of Keser. And when did it happen? In the year of the Chafs, the 20 and 20, on a global scale, the whole world being hit by Corona. Now who's the person who got the closest to the crown? Who's the person who got the, literally, the closest to God's crown. 
No, the one who brought us the Torah. The Torah is, is, is we said earlier, 613 commandments, together with seven rabbinic commandments, equals 620, the crown. So Moshe Rabbeinu got the closest to the crown. And when Moshe Rabbeinu went up and he's receiving the crown, he's receiving, he, he's getting the second tablets. What was written on the tablets? The Ten Commandments. So it says from Rabbeinu Sadia HaGoyen that how many words are there in the Ten Commandments? You count the words. In the Ten Commandments, there are exactly 620 words. Why 620? So he says, because it's in, because in, embedded in the Ten Commandments is the, the 613, hidden in them is the 613 commandments plus the seven rabbinic commandments. So 613 plus seven, 620. So in each, in each word of the Ten Commandments is another hinted to another mitzvah from the 613. But Kabbalistically, the reason why there are 620 words in the Ten Commandments is because what are the, what is the Ten Commandments? Ten, through, through the ten, ten Commandments and the 620 mitzvahs that are all offshoots of the Ten Commandments, we draw down God's crown. We draw down Keser, which is Hashem Himself, into the world. So when Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on the mountain and he He's receiving the second tablets. The Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu's face became so radiant. He has this incredible light shining on his face. It's no wonder. He's touching the wonder of God. The infinite light of God. He's, he's connecting to that. And as that light is, is emanating and entering and, 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 and being absorbed into Moshe Rabbeinu as he's studying it, understanding it, connecting to it, absorbing it, that light, so he's now becoming connected to God. He's a human being infused with, 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 with pure div divine light, but not divine light that is mitigated and modified, but God's light as it is without limitation, as it is what the Torah truly is. It's giving us access to Hashem's very self. So Moshe's face is so bright, and the Torah says, Koran or ponot, that his face is, is illuminating. Too, too the word Koran or, Koran or is the word Corona. This is the Corona, it's the light of Keser, as it's emanating into Moshe Rabbeinu's face. And what happens to Moshe Rabbeinu as a result of that? Because he's, got, he's the first person to have corona, God's crown absorbed in him, what happens? People can't talk to him. He will burn them with his face. He's too intense. Moshe Rabbeinu puts on his face a mask because he's too intense. His light is too strong for humans to behold. So he needs to have a mask. Obviously, 
it says when Moshe sat and spoke to the Jewish people, he removed the mass. Because then he wanted to transmit to them his corona. So he removed the mask. But other than that, when he is not teaching, just in general, when they're looking at Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe had a mask. Because the world is not ready for such light. That was 3,333 years ago when Moshe received the Torah. But after 3,333 years, when we get to the year 2020, after we've brought the light of Moshe Rabbeinu's of transmission, which is the light of Torah and mitzvahs, and we've done mitzvahs across the planet, and we've infused the light of mitzvahs and of godliness to every corner of the world, to every place, and now the world is achieving ultimate synchronization with God, and the human being is the facilitator of the divine being, as we know that the human is in the image of Hashem. When Mashiach comes, says, God will have a home over here. V'shachanti b'soycham. Hashem says, I will dwell amongst them. Primarily, of course, in the Jewish people. Because in the Jewish people, atem kruyim adam, the real inner element of adam is, is, is referring to the Jewish people. But to a certain extent, it extends from the Jewish people out into the rest of humanity. So what happens? The corona that was once only there in Moshe Rabbeinu is beginning to, is, has been downloaded into every human being. So one of those crazy effects of the year 2020 is that the human face, at least for now, has changed across the entire world. Go into a cafe in Moscow, go into a... Um, uh, a mall in Switzerland, go into a place in, in, in Africa, in Morocco, across the world, doesn't make a difference where you are, every person has, everybody, not everybody listens and complies, and, but most of the world is wearing masks. How did the human face change? Corona. 2020. The chafs were downloaded. Chaf and Pei, Pei, Pei Aleph, Chaf and Chaf Aleph, or Chaf and Chaf. It's just amazing. Now, there is a phenomenal teaching from Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, in which he says, in regarding a, a Pasuk, in, um, he says regarding a Pasuk in Parshas Re'e, in Deuteronomy, in Devarim, it says that you should do the mitzvahs, you will listen to God your God, you will hearken to his mitzvahs, to his commandments, and you'll do so and so and so and so. And as a result of that, you will make what is straight and what is good in the eyes of God. So he's emphasizes on these words, Hayashar Hashem. 
to make what is correct and right in the eyes of God. A simple meaning it means you behave appropriately. You behave morally and ethically and in a holy manner, then you are upright in Hashem's eyes. That's a simple meaning. But he has, an, he has a, a much deeper interpretation on these words. To do what is straight in the eyes of God. He says what it really means is to straighten out God's eyes. Very interesting interpretation. That means that there is a mystical idea that Hashem's eyes are misaligned. And over here we have to make straight God's eyes. And God gave that task over to us to align Hashem's eyes, His eyes. What does that mean? So in general, there are two perspectives. There is God's perspective, the way Hashem sees things. The way Hashem sees things is that Hashem sees... Um, Hashem sees that there's none but Him. His truth, His absolute truth is that He is and, and besides Him, there is nothing else. That doesn't mean that we don't exist, but we exist as an expression of Him, nothing other than Him. There's nothing in the world other than God. That's God's absolute truth. The worlds are completely canceled in His infinite goodness and in His infinite light. That's the way He sees it. So obviously in that realm, there's nothing dark, there's nothing evil, there's nothing unholy. There can't be anything but Him. But then there is our perspective. How we perceive ourselves, we perceive the world, we perceive people, we perceive objects, we perceive existence, nature, and so on and so forth. It has a reality, it has an existence. And then we see good and bad and all, all the stuff. So there's our perspective, and our perspective is obviously very different than his. And who is right? So we realize that our, our limit, our, our eyesight, the way we see things, our vision is very limited because we only have a very narrow vision. God sees the entire picture. He sees everything. And when you see the entire picture, then obviously you have a whole different take. And we, pro we probably... Uh, will agree that uh, he's probably right and we're not so right. So there's his perspective and there's our perspective. Fine. But then he says an interesting thing. He says, for us to have our distorted vision, for us to be able to have our vision, us seeing things in such a narrowness, we couldn't originate that. We couldn't just come ahead and take vision and distort vision. Because if our vision ultimately emanates from him, because he originates everything, and if his vision, what does vision mean? To see things as they are, that's what vision is, to, 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 to be able to see. Okay, when you don't see and it's dark and you can see, then you can get confused. But if, if, if you have vision and you see, you see clearly. So how did it suddenly can become that we have such a distorted, such we see what is not true? So in order for us to have our incomplete vision or distorted vision, even that we couldn't originate. Hashem originates our, our limited vision as well. And how does He do that? By Him modifying His vision. God 
contracts his power of vision, diminishes his eyes, blurs his eyes, blurs it and blurs it and blurs it and blurs it all the way down, down, down till it can become a source of our vision. And on that level, God's second eye, let's call it his left eye, his right eye is where he sees things from, abs from his perch, from absolute infinite truth. Then there is the left eye, the other eye, in which he dims the vision, where he doesn't see things 20-20 vision, where he sees things very, very distorted. He limits it so that he can look at the world the way we see the world. And in that sense, there is, the world is much more of an existence and a reality that possibly can exist out as an existence other than him, where there are good stuff and bad stuff and things that are completely antithetical to him, things that are, right? So that's all part of this second eye of God. And that's the source of our vision. And he explains it mystically that the higher eye is the eye of Keter. That's the right eye. The eye in which he sees things in, as absolute truth. The lower eye, he says, is the eye of the Ze'er Anpin, the eye of the seven, seven emotions, of the human, the supernal man, the God already as, he's, as he lowers himself down to a level called human, and from there he's looking, that's much closer to our existence. And definitely goes without saying the eye of Malchut, Malchus is already the Shekhinah, that's the divinity that's actually immersed literally in creation. Over there it's very, very, very limited. And for sure a already what we call das tachten, a much lower modified um, sense of reality. What is the point of Torah and mitzvahs? Based on all that we've discussed till now, to download God into the world. The downloading of Hashem into the world means that as we bring God into the world, we become more godlike. And our experiences become more consistent with his experience. And obviously, our vision gets upgraded to his vision. As we download his eye, the eye of Keser, into our eyes, and how do we download his eye into our eye? We have to download the upper eye into the lower eye. And from the lower eye, obviously, it will descend and will become part of our reality. Because again, the lower eye is the source of our vision. So when we download the higher eye into the lower eye and then through that down into us, then we start getting godly eyes and we see things from a godly perspective, not from an earthy perspective. And then we have the broad vision. And then we go, ah, ah, ah. So this is really what it is. And what does it say when Mashiach will come? Ki ayin bi ayin yiru, eye to eye we will see. You know, sometimes we feel that we really want to let God know how we feel. We could be very angry and very upset at Him. And we say, you know, when I get finally, when I get funny, God, get to be careful, because when I get in front of Him, I'm going to let Him hear. I'm going to let Him hear it. I'm going to give Him all my complaints. I don't know, maybe Hashem, <laughs> I don't want to take away anybody's hopes to be able to do that. But I think it's not going to be that way. I think 
when Mashiach comes, as the Pasuk says, we're going to thank Hashem, we're going to thank Hashem for all, all we've gone through. And the reason for that is, because once our eyes open up and we come eye to eye with God, then we see what God sees. And when once we see it from the perspective of God, then there is no bad, there's only good. And whatever seemed to be bad, then we go, ah, it was never bad, it was only good. Not only was it limited, it was infinite good. It was the best thing that ever could have happened. On every event that happened in our life, every single thing, even things that seemed to be so horrific, that too is like, God, you couldn't have done it better. That's the ultimate truth. It's one of the reasons it says that um, the tzaddikim, the righteous people who passed away quite a long time ago, um, it's better to access, or I, I don't remember exactly regards to what it says. And maybe it says regarding the judges. I think it says it regarding that in, in who makes up the heavenly tribunal that judges the world. So it says it's not the tzaddikim, it's angels, but also tzaddikim, the rabbis. Souls of the rabbis who were once down here, they, but not the ones who lived a long, long, long time ago, but only those that passed away recently, they become the tribunal, they become the basedim. And the reason is because those, they're able to see things still from our perspective. And therefore there's much more um, leniency in that sense. But those that are there a long time, <laughs> they see things already completely from the godly, and when you see things from that, then everything is good. And then, God forbid, even dark things and, and, and God forbid suffering could be justified. Those tzaddikim that, that are in constant argument with God, like we find Moshe argues with God, that's, that the requires that they should, they, they need to, they can't be a tzaddik. If you go to a tzaddik and you're asking for help, if the tzaddik puts on God's glasses and he sees it as God sees it, then, then what he says, what are you kvetching about? What are you complaining? It's a good thing. And he says, gamzul this do is good. But the tzaddik has to realize that you're not in that expansive state and we can't see things the way God sees it for the time being. And therefore, when we go through something harsh, we really are suffering and we really need uh, some, 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 some help, some, some salvation that it should be good even in our limited world, not just from the ultimate perspective. But when Mashiach will come, and all of us will have a, a vision upgrade, because we have downloaded God's eyes into our eyes, we will see things the way God sees it. That's the meaning that the verse says, ayin biayin yiru b'shuv Hashem. Eye to eye we will see. So the higher eye... So how does that happen? The higher eye, which is in Keser, has to be downloaded into the lower eye, which is, as we spoke earlier, the narrower eye, which is the source of our vision. And he doesn't say this specifically, but I'm just connecting it. The down, and he said, but he does say, he's Rav Shneir Zalman, and, that, and, that, and the Alter Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zalman of the Yadi, whose yard site is going to be this week Friday. Um, he says that's the meaning of the point of all the Torah mitzvahs is to even out God's eye. That the perspective from the lower eye should be exactly like the higher eye. And that we should be able to see things the way God sees it. 
And that's the ultimate rectification. The two eyes that have been misaligned should become aligned. Now we can understand the deeper meaning of 2020 vision. 2020 vision is what we call perfect vision. Perfect vision is when we can see things truly for what they really are. To see things the way God sees it. To see ultimate truth. Not modified truth. Ultimate truth. To see it as it is. And the only way it really is is the way Hashem sees it. And now we understand why it's 2020. Because the higher eye is the eye of Keser. Which as we said before, Keser is 20. And you draw down the higher eye into the lower eye. So you make 20 below as well. So it's 2020 vision and that's clear vision. So now, what happened in this past year? On the one hand, it was a very dark year, as we say, 2020, because people say hindsight is 2020. That means 2020 itself, while the download is taking place, we don't comprehend. But once it's over and you can click it open, now we take a look at 2020, perhaps we have eyes now, a whole different eye, to see things completely different. So what happened in the past year to show us a high? But let me tell you a little story before I go there. So this inspiration came to me in the middle of the summer when I taught on a Thursday night, the week of Parshas Re'eh. Re'eh means to see. I taught a discourse on this idea of evening out God's two eyes. That was Thursday night. Friday, I, I went on a hike with my daughter. And we were hiking in Griffiths Park and I do, I try to do a daily video. Those who want to subscribe to the daily video, you can send me an email on the, on the, on the, uh, on office at Mayon, M-A-A-Y-O-N, office at Mayon, M-A-A-Y-O-N.com. And you can ask and we can send you how to subscribe. It's, it goes through a WhatsApp. And it's growing. There's over a couple of hundred people on it and it's, uh, it's good, it's good stuff. Try to give a short little teaching every day, not always every day, or at least two, three times a week. So, um, as I, 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 you know, it, there's inspiration that comes when you, you when you're when you're consciously trying, and then there's these moments when things come into your head. So I'm hiking, and one of the things I like to do during these outdoors ex excursions is to uh, create create the video and give over the video, not at not in my house, in my living room, or over here in the shul, but in a place that's a little more refreshing for people to look at. Different spots, good natural setting. So on a hike, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to come up with something, and thank God, I'm, I was reprocessing what was in my head from the night before, and it hit me, 2020, perfect vision. That could be what the year is all about. 2020 is when God is downloading His vision into our vision. We should see things the way He sees it. That's awesome. It was very exciting. And we came up, as I, I said, okay, I'm ready to make the video. We came up huffing and puffing up to a high place it's called Dante's Point. And uh, I was ready to, I sat down to, to, to you know, she, she was going to film me. I was going to give over the, this teaching, this idea. And it was a really nice spot. But then she says, nah, 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 I think I have a better spot. She saw a little, uh, uh, a place further up. 
also on that same perch on the uh, on the high on the, t- on the on the you know this on the top of the of the mountain. So we went off, and there was a bench there, and I, a table, and I sat down. And as I'm sitting there, and we, I'm giving over the thought, and suddenly <laughs> she starts laughing in the middle of the filming, and uh, I, I stopped obviously, and she, I said, "What's going on?" She says, "Take a look." I take a look on the chair that I'm sitting, on the bench that I'm sitting, and there's graffiti. And she says, look at the graffiti. The graffiti is stamped, like they were, it wasn't written, it wasn't scribbled, or it was like stamped, the words I, 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 I. Literally, E, Y, E. All over, I, I, I. And I was astounded, like, whoa, that's, that's freaky. <laughs> but even more than that, the Wherever there was an eye, like a, a, about a, a foot on top of it, it was eye, and then each place there was the word real. So real, R-E-A-L, and then I on the bottom. So someone was stamping the words real I. So I'm sitting on this thing, I have an inspiration for the idea of 2020 meaning, downloading God's vision into our vision, that our eye should see things the way God sees it, and that's the idea of the real eye. Your eye is real, not the modified eye. The real eye, the true eye, the 2020 vision. And I'm sitting on a bench full of graffiti that says real eye on it. It was crazy. So obviously I refilmed and I told the story showing on the actual graffiti on the real eye. But then as I was further um, um, you know, trying to dissect what just happened because we were so moved. It was such an, a, a, a godly moment to see. And I realized, look at this, amazing. Even the graffiti. In Hashem's world, there's no such a thing as graffiti. As graffiti, even graffiti is Enoid Movade, there's none but God. In other words, the fact that it was shown to me and in the graffiti was so awesome. Because generally when we look at the world and we're trying to look from the godly perspective, so when it comes and we see a good person, a righteous person, a saintly person, and say this person is one with God, that we understand. They're one with God. They're full of goodness. They're running around. They're saving the planet. They're taking care of hungry children. They're doing all kinds of good stuff. They're teaching the, 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 the ignorant. They're, 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 they're selflessly devoted. People, there's so many good people on the planet. So many charitable, so many philanthropy, so much goodness, so much devoted goodness, right? Charity and goodness and... But then there are the certain elements in the world that you look at and you wonder, what are they doing in God's world? This is like not good stuff. This is only making a mess. Especially, this beautiful nature. And then there are those who come into the beautiful nature and plaster graffiti. It's like the most, like you get so frustrated. So it looks like there is something that doesn't belong in God's world. But that can't be because ultimately God created that as well. Now he told us, of course, I'm not saying this, <laughs> we understand that a person is supposed to be a mensch and stealing is forbidden and part of that is you know, ruining a nice place. But the question is from the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate perspective. Even the bad choices, even the poor choices that people make, even the graffiti artist is also an artist. Even if they're not thinking of the, of, of the art that, that they're here to express something godly. They put down over here real eye on this chair, which ultimately turns out to be a lesson in how godly the world is 
And even graffiti is ultimately one with God. Even all the graffiti in the world, one day we will see how it's all, when we will have the real eye, we will see how that too is, 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 is Him, nothing but Him. So if we look in history and we look at all the graffiti in history, which includes, includes whatever we look at the world that seems to be ruining the world, everything. Ultimately, that too is Hashem. 2020 vision. So what happened in the year 2020 in which we say we downloaded God's vision into our vision? Number one, we got an appreciation through the corona that what? How important every single one of us is. How godly every single one of us is. In the sense that what? That every single one of us, every single person can impact the planet. We look at ourselves very limited. From our eye, we, we ascribe a certain importance to ourselves of how much influence we can have. And being that sometimes we feel we can't have much influence, so we sit back and don't do anything. Why? Because we feel, what am I and who am I? What am I going to do already? So if I have a passion for something, if I feel something is wrong or, or I want to improve the world to do something, well, why should I protest or why should I, 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 I put my energies in? It's anyway not going to have an influence. Who's going to listen to me? Who's going to hear me? So, but from, God, from God's perspective, every human, God created only one person to teach us that every single person is the entire world. Well, in the corona, the year 2020, we saw it literally. That one person can pass a virus to the entire world. So, one person. And if that's obviously in the negative, how much more so how that is in the positive. What else did we learn this, this year? We learned how much every, every life matters. Cities were burned down. Mobs went through, broke glass, rioted in the streets, but also millions of people marched to announce and to call out that lives matter. The motto was Black Lives Matter. Now it doesn't mean in any way, shape, and form, I, it, it's completely unimportant. The political motivation, the, the behind the scenes of who, what, where, and when. If this was driven by people with good intentions or people with not such good intentions. Obviously we understand that so many thousands of people who participated in these marches had good intentions, have a genuine feeling of taking care of the oppressed. Fine. There probably was many who don't have the best intentions, and especially not necessarily involved in the marching itself, but creating these fires especially when it comes to the destruction of property, people being hurt and rioting and, and all the craziness that went on. Bad stuff, a lot of bad. But I'm not talking about 
the human voice in all of this. I'm talking about God's voice, a message that God was delivering through. Even if there is graffiti, God's message through the graffiti is don't give your own value on life as we usually do. We decide whose life is more important, what is higher, what is lower. In our own interpersonal relationships, in the world, in our own community, this person is a rich person, so they have a lot of value. Or this person is very talented, a nice person, they have a lot of value. This person, eh, a This person, eh, a major loser. This person is just a nobody. This person, that's not Mashiach living. That's not God's eyes. And then what happens when a person does things that are wrong and has, carries a lot of baggage and looks at themselves as a very dark human being? We a lot of times look at ourselves and, and uh, uh, you know, sometimes we think we are, we are <laughs> who knows what. And other times we think of ourselves very lowly because of certain things we've done in our lives, mistakes we've done in our lives. And we have a very, very bad image on ourselves. And we feel very undeserving and un... Which... And then the message come out and says, Black Lives Matter. And again, I'm not... Let's dismiss all the externalities of what it means. Okay, Because I'm not talking black and white in that term of racial element. That's completely irrelevant. I'm talking about the, 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 the message of blackness in the sense that Black is associated with dark. So a person thinks of themselves as being dark. And therefore I don't matter. And there's a thundering godly voice saying black lives matter. Even those who made mistakes. Even those who did every life matters to me, God says. And I have unbelievable hope and trust in every human life. That this life will turn out to be an expression of me. Of my infinite goodness and kindness. That's God's eyes. That's not the human eye. That's God's eye. And that was downloaded. That's, the, that, that's what we're left after 2020 with that message. It's, and it's to a point that civilization can't continue until we integrate and hear and know that well. That every life matters. What else was the message? For the first time we heard something as wacky, as crazy as utterly insane as defunding the police. Who would have ever thought of something so, so, so cuckoo? Yeah, remove the police and you know what you're going to have? You're going to have World War III, God forbid. And you're going to have what we had on the streets over here in Los Angeles during those riots. And much worse. Because at least there was the police. They, sometimes they weren't doing anything because they were scared. But at least they showed up. At least they were there. Defund the police? What are we talking about? The Mishnah says in Prikayavas, if you don't have the fear of the government, then the world will swallow, well, one will swallow each other. But the call is for defund the police. You know why the call is for defund the police? It's God saying it's time for Mashiach already. In Mashiach's world, there won't be any more police. You don't need police to police people. Because when we don't have Yetzirah, we don't have evil inclination anymore. We can do what's right. We can restrain ourselves without external help. 
That's the ideal world. But God doesn't want us to be anymore that this should be just an ideal that we're hoping for in 30 years from now, 50 years from now. To recognize that maybe we should work to, maybe mankind is ready for that. Do I, am I saying that we should implement that today? No. But should we at least start recognizing that idea? Yes. And that came to the world this year. In 2020. I spoke earlier about the mask, how godly a human face is. People sometimes, you know, one of, the, one of the contentious issues of the year 2020 is you're wearing a mask, you're not wearing a mask. People get to fights. People, <laughs> I myself get upset. You know, we had the story that they threw, threw, threw a, a, a family off from the, from the plane. A little two-year-old wasn't wearing a mask. I got so angry, I sent the airline a letter. I mean, yeah, we, we read these stories. We, we, and not just we read it. <laughs> we, we all experience it. We get dirty looks. If you forgot your mask, you didn't put it on, you are, you're this, you're that. You're insensitive, you're a killer, you're a murderer, you're going to kill someone, you're not wearing your mask. And so you have two sides. If people who don't want to wear the mask, and if, they're, and, and if, and if anybody tells them something, they're ready to, 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 you know. And the opposite, the people that um, the people that get angry at those who are not wearing the mask and those that get and the people that are getting angry at the people telling them that they have to wear a mask right so you have this all this 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 negative energy that goes on but perhaps if we re rethink and we get, we put on god's glasses so to speak we put on the higher eye and we connect it to what we spoke about before, about the intensity of 2020 and the awesomeness of the human face. So if you will, if, if, if we're looking deeper and someone's saying to you, please put on a mask, maybe you can reinterpret it and say to yourself, what they're really saying is, your face is too bright for me. Please cover up. It's too much. I know that's not consciously what they're saying, but maybe subconsciously that's what they're saying. I'm not ready yet for your brightness. Too much goodness shining from you. Too much intense light. Too, you're too holy for me to look at. It's like a bride under the chuppah. Why, do, why is her face covered under the chuppah? She's so lit up. She's so bright at that time that she has to wear the veil over her head. She must be covered up because it's too bright. The kohanim, during the time that they're, they're blessing, we know God dwells on the kohanim during that time, the Kohanim, you know, they cover their head and all the people cover their head. You don't want to look at the face of the too bright. So maybe when people are telling you, put on a mask, instead of getting angry, how dare you tell me what to do, maybe you think, maybe I'm too bright, they're not ready. Or maybe they're not ready for Mashiach. Maybe we need to have a Mashiach conversation. It's time for greater lights to come to the world. Let's get ready to receive it. The conversation would be a different conversation. And the other person who you're trying to get him a mask and he doesn't want to wear a mask, he feels that it's, that it's, that it's, that it, like many people feel, that this is, this is, this is crazy, this is the world trying, this is government trying to control our lives and so on and so forth. I'm not getting into the politics of it, it doesn't make a difference now. And they feel offended that anybody tells them to put on the mask, or the opposite, we get, and some people get angry at the fact that they're not wearing the mask. 
So instead of getting angry at the person, maybe what they're saying is, I can't stand anymore the masking of all this light, of all this godliness. Why are we hiding all this incredible godly potential and godly light that we all possess? It's time for us to remove the mask. It's time for us already to reveal Hashem in the world, to reveal our light to to each other. If a person has so much to give and doesn't have a chance to give it because you're forcing him to cover it, him or her to cover it, they're frustrated. Maybe with this understanding we have much more tolerance for each other. So, as mentioned earlier, 2020 is 2020 hindsight. As it it happened, it was too intense. But now, as 2020 came to an end, and we're entering into 2020, 2021, perhaps it's time to open up the 2020. So my son-in-law shared with me today, you know, this year we're on our way coming to Yutshvat. Yutshvat is the day of the, inaugur- the, day of the um, anniversary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe becoming Rebbe, assuming the leadership. And every year we learn a part of his discourse, his father-in-law's discourse, which had 20 chapters, and the Rebbe would say a discourse every year explaining another chapter. So it took 20 years for the Rebbe to explain his father-in-law's discourse. The Rebbe's Rebbe's father-in-law passed away in the year 1950, so the Rebbe began to explore and explain in 1951 is when he officially accepted the role as the seventh Chabad Rebbe. And um, that year seven was 1951. And every year, the next 20 years, he studied and expounded and explained another one of those 20 chapters. So it went from 1950 to 19, uh, 1951 to 1970. And in 1971, it started, it started over again. And it, he didn't finish the full round of the second 20. But he got, I don't know exactly which one was the last year. And the Hasidim, every year, we continue this. So according to that calculation, 19, in, in the year 2021, now, Tafshin Peyal of 5781, we read... Chapter 11 of the previous Rebbe's discourse. And we do the discourse of the Rebbe's in which he explains it's from 5761. I'm sorry. It's from the year Tafshin Chaf Aleph, which is 5721. And the year Tafshin Mem Aleph, which is 5741. So 21 and 41, which corresponds to the year of 1961 and 1981. Now the, the discourse is this year's is just on a different level. It's very, very powerful. It has to do with the ultimate victory. The victory of Mashiach. Mashiach finally be victorious and winning the battle and the full revelation of Mashiach in the world. Very, very special, very important. I hope to teach it over here. Bezrat Hashem. But he, was, he just pointed out to me that Tavshin Chaf Aleph, which is 
5721. So it's 21, connected to this year, 2021. And the other one is from the year 57 Tavshin Mem Aleph. So Mem Aleph, the Mem can be divided into 20 and 21. Mem Aleph. So there you have 2021. So what are we greeting the new year of 2021 with the study and with this new, with this, the study of these new, it's not new, but the renewal of the study of these discourses to open up our eyes to the Mashiach dimension of, of what 2020 and 2021 have in store for us. When we see it from Mashiach's perspective, from Mashiach's eyes, it's a whole different world. It's full of light, full of brightness, and hopefully a brightness that we can already acclimate ourselves to, to see it the way Hashem sees it, to see it in its ultimate truth and its ultimate light. May we have an incredible blessed year, and may Mashiach be fully revealed now.